KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, March 8th. COVID-19 cases drop among residents of California's nursing homes. We'll have more on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County public health officials reported 187 new COVID-19 cases on Sunday and five additional deaths. Meanwhile, stadiums and theme parks got clearance from the state to reopen on April 1st with restrictions. San Diego is still in the state's strictest purple tier, but if the county can get into the red tier by the end of March, about 8,500 fans would be able to attend the Padres' opening day at Petco Park. Voting starts today for a special election to fill Secretary of State Shirley Weber's former seat in the 79th District. Ballots can be cast at the San Diego County Registrar Voter Headquarters in Kearney Mesa between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. The 79th District includes southeastern San Diego, La Mesa, Lemon Grove, and parts of Chula Vista, Bonita, and National City. About 700 homeless people currently being sheltered at the San Diego Convention Center are scheduled to move into smaller shelters starting on March 22nd. They're there under the Shelter to Home program, but Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says there are now preliminary plans to convert the convention center into a mass vaccination site. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. As COVID-19 cases in nursing homes have dropped by as much as 98% in recent weeks, advocates and families want California to reopen the facilities for in-room visits. They tell KPBS's Amitha Sharma that residents are dying of poor care and loneliness because of the year-long visitation ban. As a lawyer who has long advocated for nursing home reform in California, Mike Dark has seen a lot of abuse and neglect of seniors, but never before did he see as many complaints as he has since senior care facilities barred inside visits last March to stop the spread of COVID-19. Family members are reporting that their loved ones are dying of dehydration, of malnutrition, of um, not being um, attended to physically so that they avoid bed sores, kidney infections and the like. Dark says before the pandemic, families helped feed and bathe residents to compensate for poor care inside the facilities. Dark has been pushing the state to lift the ban on indoor visits at senior care centers to improve care. So is Mariam Baracosi. She says her 88-year-old mom, who lives in a Rancho Bernardo nursing home, has spiraled down in recent months. She blames restricted visits. It's just a physical decline. It's a mental decline. It's an emotional decline. And uh, I mean, I feel like there's no mercy. I know I'm not alone in this. I mean, 
What is it going to take? The California Department of Public Health says it's finalizing adjustments to nursing home visitation policies. And that was KPBS's Amitha Sharma. The U.S. Senate passed the $1.9 trillion emergency relief package over the weekend. A version of the bill was originally proposed by President Joe Biden last month. The Senate version passed on a party-line vote with all Republicans against and all Democrats for. The package focuses on getting COVID-19 vaccines into arms and also money into people's pockets. San Diego Congressman Mike Levin talked about his vote for the House's version of the bill. The American Rescue Plan has $33.4 million in federal aid for Oceanside, $26.6 million for Vista, $13.3 million for Carlsbad, and the list goes on. This funding is desperately needed. The House must now vote again on the Senate version of the bill on Tuesday, which passed with a number of changes. In recent weeks, thousands of pot convictions in San Diego County have been reduced or dismissed. With more, here's KPBS's Debbie Cruz. Nearly 26,000 people with felony marijuana convictions on their records in San Diego County had them reduced to misdemeanors last month. In addition, some 1,000 people with misdemeanor cannabis convictions had their cases dismissed. According to a Union Tribune report, the reductions and dismissals were made official in an order signed by a Superior Court judge on February 5th. The order came a year after the county's district attorney's office submitted a list of cases eligible for relief. It was part of a state law that was an outgrowth of Proposition 64, the 2016 voter-approved measure that legalized some marijuana use. And that was KPBS's Debbie Cruz. The Army admitted in November that its sexual assault and harassment prevention program is broken. Now one elite Army Corps is taking matters into its own hands by asking soldiers and survivors for ideas on how to fix it. Carson Frame reports for the American Homefront Project. Staff Sergeant Shamika Dudley says she wants to show soldiers what it's like to walk in somebody else's boots. That is the goal right there. Empathy, because that's an issue we have, too. You know, if someone comes forward, male or female, and say, like, hey, I feel like I've been sexually harassed. Usually what happens is it's like maybe you're taking it wrong. Early in her Army career, Dudley, a linguist at Fort Bragg, helped support a friend who was assaulted. She says other soldiers were nearby and could have intervened to stop the crime. So in February, she pitched an idea to the 18th Airborne Corps, use virtual reality to get soldiers to be proactive. If you were a bystander in this situation, you can be like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Dudley was one of seven finalists at the 18th Airborne Corps' Dragon's Lair event. It's normally a Shark Tank-style competition where the Army asks for tech proposals from rank-and-file soldiers. But this time, instead of focusing on tanks and computers, it asks for suggestions to improve its sexual harassment and assault response program, what the Army calls SHARP. Colonel Joe Bacino was part of the team that put Dragon's Lair together. He's the innovation officer for the 18th Airborne Corps. With the SHARP program, you have to have buy-in you have to have trust at the lowest level. And if people don't have trust in the SHARP program, then you don't really have a SHARP program because people aren't really gonna report. Pacino says there's been a lot of pressure to rebuild that trust since the death of Fort Hood, Texas specialist Vanessa Guillen last year. An independent review panel found Fort Hood's climate to be permissive of sexual assault and harassment. 
the 18th Airborne Corps isn't based at Fort Hood. It's headquartered at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. But Pacino says the problem is Army-wide. You know, Fort Hood is not some other planet. Fort Hood is a part of the United States Army. These problems are manifest on big Army installations. So there's public pressure, and there's congressional pressure, and there's soldier pressure, and there's soldiers on social media, and there's soldiers talking to their chain of command. The suggestions were wide-ranging. One Dragon's Lair contestant recommended putting more women on the boards that decide whether assailants will get kicked out of the army. She also wanted to see career incentives for soldiers who act like allies. Another pitched the idea of having volunteers watch for problems at the unit level. The 18th Airborne Corps could take some of those steps itself, but others, like changing how punishment is meted out or giving Sharp more manpower, are up to the army. Still, Captain Megan Mejia, an army lawyer, says she feels empowered to take action. She was one of the panelists who reviewed the presentations. We can do more without having that systematic change, right? We can close the information gap with our leaders and junior leaders and junior enlisted. We can talk to them. We can provide more training. If everyone is buying in, then it's getting better automatically. The 18th Airborne Corps has committed to implementing the concepts of all seven Dragon's Lair finalists. It's also sharing insights with Army leaders who are in the process of revamping SHARP. But the buck may not stop there. In late February, the Pentagon announced a civilian-led commission to address military sexual assault. Once formed, the commission will have 90 days to compile its recommendations and will report directly to President Biden. And that was Carson Frame reporting. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Coming up, police say San Diego saw a spike in gun violence in 2020. Now there's a new community-involved program called No Shots Fired that's trying to address it. We'll have that story next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. More reports of gunshots, more gun violence, and more homicides. Police say that's what San Diego experienced last year. Gun violence in the city was up 28%, with gang members suspected in about 20% of all murders. In response, San Diego leaders have launched a new program to get communities involved in the effort to stop the violence. The program is called No Shots Fired, and it's designed to work with gangs to reach ceasefire agreements and help individual gang members 
find new directions for their lives. The No Shots Fired effort is a collaboration between city, police, community, and faith-based leaders. Bishop Cornelius Bowser is one of those leaders. He's the founding pastor at Charity Apostolic Church, and he spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh about the effort. Well, you know, San Diego Police Chief Nislight says his officers are facing more people possessing firearms every day. What do you think are the reasons for that? Well, uh, one of the reasons I know for sure, because I, I talked with Chief Nislight and I also talked with the uh, Chief Moulton out in El Cajon, and I got the same response from both of them. The problem now is these ghost guns. That's one of the big problems for every legal gun that they're finding on the streets. They're finding these manufactured uh, ghost guns. So they most definitely need to regulate those guns because it's overwhelmingly in the streets right now, ghosts and the regular guns. So yeah, that's the problem. And so when people have all these guns, they have a you know sense of using them, you know, when they get angry, if they don't have self-control. And how is the increase in gang violence affecting the communities that you serve? Well, you know, people want something done, right? You know, of course, there's a debate in our community about uh, whether it's gang violence or other type of violence. But um, I say it's both, right? You know, when you look at the Sandad report of 2019, and especially uh, specifically looking at uh, the Black community, uh, 44% of the homicides were arguments and 44% of the homicides were gang related. And so you have a little bit of both going on. And I think we have to be honest about both of them. The only way we're going to solve the problem is we have to acknowledge that there is a problem. If we don't acknowledge that we have a gang problem, then the problem is going to continue to persist. So, you know, the community wants something done and they're willing to come together and make it happen. And so, you know, uh, we, we you know, we got people working in various lanes and hoping that we can all come together and make this happen. One of the tasks uh, of the new No Shots Fired program is to reach ceasefire agreements with gangs. How do you go about accomplishing that? Well, one of the ways is is the way that um, uh, what we have planned for the No Shots Fire uh, program, right? You know, because individuals that will come into the program are folks that may have been arrested. It may be on probation or somewhere in the system and its connection with them having something to do with a gun. And so if they want to be a part of the program, one of the things that we want to do is have make them have a or, or convince them to have a commitment if we work with you you have to have a commitment right that you're going to put your guns down and that we're going to work together to help you change your life and we also would do street outreach and reach out to those in the community right because you have to have the carrot and the stick the stick is is that look if you continue to go this way you know the police gonna crack down on you and you're going to end up in jail or end up in the grave you know we have to admit and acknowledge the fact that when we say we have a problem with over-policing, there's a reason why they're there. And so we have to address that reason or we're going to continue to have over-policing. And so the carrot is, hey, come over here. We'll help you. We'll incentivize, you know, some of uh, the support that you need and help you set up a map plan for your life and work with you and support you every day with everything that you need. You know, as I see it, a big part of this program is an attempt toward economic justice, providing a range of services, including financial assistance and scholarships as incentives away from violence. How badly do you think that kind of assistance is needed? Here's the thing when we talk about that, right? You know, the main objective is to get individuals to change their behaviors, right? And so I know many times, you know, the focus is on the incentives or the focus on, hey, we're serving marginalized and underserved communities and they need this support. But the thing of it is, you know, I'm a former gang member and I had my own apartment, my own cars, living with my girlfriend, had a job, making good money, still gangbanging. 
So if you don't change the mindset, it's going to continue to go on. But I think like when you want people to change their mindset, they could be in drugs or whatever they're doing. And we want them to leave that lifestyle so that we can support them or so they can change their life. Then we have to have some type of support base for them to help them change their lives by offering these incentives to say, hey, we will support you as long as you demonstrate that you're moving towards your goals and changing your life. Bishop, you've been quoted as saying that programs like this offer a lifeline to young people. Do you think the kids and young people you want to help will grab that lifeline? Well, you know, I believe some will and some won't, you know, because it's all about if they're ready. I left the gang at the age of 22 and a half years old. It was 21 when I finally made my mind up to do it. There's others that make a decision in their teens, 14, 15, 16 years old, and some later, 30, 40. So it just depends on them and what's going on in their life and being able to get the message and reach them because, you know, you do want to throw them a lifeline. Sometimes people take it, sometimes they don't. But, um, you know, I, I believe if you talk to 100 people and reach out to 100 people, you might you at least be able to get at least 10 to 20 of those folks. And so what we want to do is go to the hardest to serve and those that are uh, involved in the violence, that small percentage, right, that is involved in the violence. Yes, some are going to turn it away. Some are not going to want any help because they want to continue to do what they do. And I face that now. But then there's many that do want help, right? Because one of the things I, I would like to say is that you know, another piece that we do uh, uh, besides the peace walks, the peace meals, the different things like that, we also get out to the hospitals when individuals get shot uh, uh, through gang, gang related violence. And one thing that I found is that when you do get to the hospital and talk with these individuals, their mindset is different and they do want to change and they're thinking about their life and they could have lost their life. So if you can catch people in the midst of the trauma, in the midst of the crisis and help them maneuver through that, you, can, you, you really have a great uh, uh, chance of helping them change their lives and them making a real decision to move away from the violence. That was Bishop Cornelius Bowser, who is the founding pastor of the Charity Apostolic Church, and he was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. The adrenaline of gliding into a bowl at a skate park isn't just for skaters or bikers. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us why. Everybody here is a skater, but not everyone rides a skateboard. Tony Thogmartin loves a skate park, but in 2017, he got hurt really bad snowboarding. And so when I broke my back, the doctors pretty much said I'll never be able to skate again. And I wasn't going to let that like happen. Like I was like, no, there's no possible way. After that, he began researching wheelchair sports and met Troy McGurk. McGurk also uses a wheelchair. He's won several national titles playing and coaching wheelchair rugby. McGurk helped Thogmartin get a specialized skating wheelchair made to withstand the heavy wear and tear of skating. Our biggest problem is the price of a chair to really come out here and have a lot of fun. People have destroyed their everyday chairs. And so what's nice there is there's different foundations out there that give grants for wheelchairs. Each chair has to be customized to the person and is handmade, making the price unaffordable for most people. Thogmartin was awarded a grant for a specialized wheelchair and has never looked back. It just took a lot of practice, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and just committing to myself going out multiple times a week, pushing through the pain, not really caring about the fear of falling, just kind of putting that in the back of the mind and just going for it. Thog Martin hopes to go pro and is grateful that the skateboarding community is encouraging. When it comes to like the wheelchair, like they've been like very open arms about it 
and like skaters love it because you know like a lot of people don't see this every day so when they do see it it kind of gives them a step back and go whoa like aside from coaching troy mcgurk is also the organizer of socal wcmx or wheelchair motocross in southern california mcgurk puts together events for the wheelchair community to get together and skate so it's just i put together a flyer and put it out and whoever shows up shows up and we just skate and have fun. Most of McGurk's meetups happen at Southern California skate parks. Although the skate parks appear to be a perfect destination for a wheelchair, one problem not visible to the naked eye is ADA accessibility. It's easy for wheelchairs to get into the pits and bowls of the skate parks, but not so easy to get out. Terry Newhouse sits on the committee for the new upcoming Fallbrook Skate Park. This will be the first skate park for the city of Fallbrook. And this is a needed thing in Fallbrook. There's so many kids here in Fallbrook they have nowhere to go. They're skating in back alleys of, of apartments and stores, trying to find some place to skate. Newhouse is a skateboarding instructor and also works with challenged athletes. While planning for the skate park in Fallbrook, he wanted to make sure the skate park included one thing, ADA accommodations. They want to be self-sufficient just like everyone else. There's going to be a way for them to get in and out of the park on their own without the use of having somebody push them out all the time or wait for somebody to help them. Newhouse said the Fallbrook Skate Park is expected to be completed by the end of this year. Until then, Thog Martin has one piece of advice. Come to a skate park, have some fun. That's what it's all about. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.